Welcome to the second of the uh, HSBC webinars covering um, cybersecurity and fraud awareness. So a whole series of these that we've started. Um, so I'm Rafael Malik uh, from the HSBC cybersecurity team. In today's uh, expert uh, panel or tag team rather, I'm going to call them, we have the following members. We have uh, Bipin Mehta from um, cybersecurity. He's the regional head of cybersecurity. We have Ali Pirbudak, who's uh, from the regional fraud team. And also we have Mehul Thanki, who's the regional head of GLCM uh, Digital. And uh, he's from the business and he'll be joining us uh, for the panel and the Q&A section. Um, and with that, um, I'm gonna hand over to the tag team. So tag team, I hope you're ready. Um, Ali, over to you. So let's just uh, get straight into it. What fraudsters are doing are evolving to try and gain an advantage. Um, essentially what they're doing is they target the human emotion. Uh, the most effective way of doing this is through what's called social engineering. Um, and what social engineering is essentially is trying to manipulate the human tendency to trust. So how do they do that? They normally do this through three avenues. Um, one is to try and use authority to influence your decision making, i.e. Um, pretending to be from the government or the police, for example. They may appeal to your greed or vanity. What that means is, for example, usually telling you that you've won something, whether it's big or small. And the most common one that we see is the scaremongering tactic, which is um, basically you might get a call or a communication of some sort telling you to do something and before you have time to think about the request um, they'll pressure you to make a decision so just be aware of these um, and we recommend that you discuss these with your teams as it's important to um, understand you know these tactics and what fraudsters do once doing so as a fraudster they will seek to exploit this by trying to either um, import, impersonate um, members of your team or even companies that you're familiar with or to extreme cases pretend to be the police another way to get information um, is what's called uh, phishing this is essentially when fraudsters send mass emails to get people to disclose some information so the best thing to do is, if you ever get a call from someone and you're not sure, and they're pressuring you to do something or asking you to divulge information, like your password, um, which you're not comfortable sharing, just hang up the phone, um, you know, say to them, look, really sorry, I'm gonna have to come back to you on a number I know, and I don't want to continue right now, and just take a few minutes to review the request and call the number that you have on record for that company or entity. One of the main reasons we're doing today's session is because of what's called business email compromise, which is a typology and fraud. I think it's fair to say this is probably the fastest growing fraud type across the globe, which in a broad categorization can be split into what's called CEO fraud or senior executive fraud and payment redirection. There's lots of ways um, that this fraud can manifest itself or materialize. First is the most simple one. And again, fraudsters can spam 
like in the in the fishing example. So essentially, they're just trying to catch you or catch your people off guard. Um, the next one is a bit more trickier, uh, where they go into a bit more effort and they try to create an email address that looks similar to a genuine one. It's important to be vigilant and pay attention to unusual emails that may be coming from uh, a different domain. Um, the next one is probably the most difficult and this is when your entire network has been compromised um, and fraudsters tend to stay in the network for a prolonged period to observe and then ultimately um, construct an attack. Red flags to look out for are if you receive something, um, an email, trying to keep secrecy about a transaction, um, you know, this is just between you and me, I know I can trust you. Um, and also the last bullet here is quite important for staff to look out for because they'll be kind of familiar with the tone and language that their, their colleagues or their senior management use. So it's important to, to go with the gut feeling if they see something you know, that doesn't make sense to challenge or try and validate the request. To pivot to the other kind of variance of business email compromise to payment redirection. This is essentially where fraudsters look to trick you or your buyers into making payments. So what they do is they swap account details on an invoice or send an email what appears to look like your supplier or counterpart advising of a change to the account details. So you'll probably get something that looks very similar to <clears throat> what you expect from your contact, your supplier, and they're trying to dupe you by saying, you know, can you send this payment to a new account XYZ instead of what was on the system and all future payments to this account. Again, this is all relying on trust. If you do get a request to change account numbers, then it's highly highly advisable to undertake a callback to that company in question to validate the request. So a callback validation or verification is probably the gold standard control to apply um, in this scenario. So over to you Bipin. Thank you very much uh, Ali. So it's been around 36 years since the first virus was invented and since then We've seen uh, evolutions of uh, malicious software into the worm, which replicates itself over network. The Trojan, which masquerades as uh, a, a genuine program, so you've got a malicious program hidden inside a genuine one. And to the modern day blended malware, which combines the best of all the previous evolutions. The latest uh, avatar of uh, uh, the malicious software or malware as we now call it is, is ransomware, malicious software that gets into your computer, uh, spreads across computers in your organization, locks up all your data and the operating systems of, of these systems, uh, rendering it unusable, rendering your operations, uh, your business inoperable. And then the cyber criminals will demand a ransom in the form of some cryptocurrency to give you uh, a key that will hopefully unlock so that you can use them again. You decrypt all the data and start using the systems again. Very nasty. So what makes you and I uh, a target? Why would uh, a cyber criminal target us yeah, or our organizations? There are a few simple, simple reasons. One is your data. 
So data is like the new oil. Data has become a commodity. Data can be bought and sold. Has some value. But let's let's switch gears, right? Let's uh, let's see what we can do to protect ourselves and our companies against such an attack. Right. Uh, first, of course, for every organization, this is what uh, are five questions that you could ask yourself. One, how much will a cyber attack cost your organization? And who who can answer this, right? You have experts in your current organizations who can help you with this. You have your finance teams, you have your internal audit, you have technology, cyber, operations, operation risk team. If you put them together in a room and give them a scenario, a tabletop scenario saying, this is a cyber attack that's happened to the organization. XYZ systems are down. Can you figure out how much it's going to cost us to bring them back online? How much does it cost us to run our, uh, uh, run our business? How much would it cost us because of the downtime, any reputational damage, any legal fees? Just think and brainstorm about it and you'll reach an answer also to the second question. Have you allocated enough capital, budget, resources to prevent question number one from, from happening? And if one does happen, how much would you need to actually address uh, a cyber attack? So capital, budget, resources is, is the next question, which will help you determine uh, how much you actually need to spend in terms of time, effort, and money on uh, your defenses. Third is, have you rehearsed a cyber attack scenario to identify weeks? There are many services available there uh, in the industry, many organizations which are uh, actually endorsed by regulators who can perform a technical analysis of your organization. These, organi these, these companies offer services, individuals offer services where they can actually try and break into your systems and then give you a tangible report of, hang on, this is where your weaknesses are, this is where an attacker, if they were to look at your organization, would try and exploit first. And then, have you practiced business recovery from a cyber attack? So this is not about technology alone. If your technology systems have been rendered inoperable by a cyber attack, how would you run your business? How, what kind of manual processes would you have in place? What do you already have in place? And finally, do you have cyber insurance? I think it's a, it's a worthwhile question to explore. Uh, you can check with your current insurance providers whether they also offer elements of cyber and, and fraud protection insurance. So having asked these questions, you get a very, fairly decent idea of where exactly you need to focus your, your attention. And to help you, here's another very simple analogy, something that we subconsciously do uh, every day. How to protect our organizations is very similar to how we protect our, our homes against financial, financial theft. So if you think about where you live today, either you're in an apartment or a house, uh, what you do is, of course, you lock your front door, you lock your your uh, front gate. If you're, depending on your threat landscape, if you live in a very dangerous part of the world, you might even have uh, barbed wire on your fence or maybe even an electrified fence, for all you know. So you do that first. And then inside your house, of course, uh, you might put up some monitoring systems, you might put a video camera or you might put alarms on the doors or the windows to detect if someone is actually trying to, trying to trying to break in. Uh, again, within your house, you have different rooms. Rooms have doors. You, you can further compartmentalize. And if you're really uh, concerned about the mo your most important valuables in the home, you might invest in a, a safe or a vault and keep your valuables, jewelry, whatever you think is most important to you in there. So what you've done is you've actually built a defense in depth to protect what matters to you. You've actually followed what we call the NIST framework. It's an international framework by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And what it says is you identify what's important for you. You protect it. If someone tries to break into it, you detect that attempt. 
and then you look to respond to that attempt to break in and then you recover i think very very important to mention here recover is extremely important as well we must not assume that all our protections will work all the time uh, a highly skilled sophisticated relentless attacker has high probability of getting into an organization so we have to practice and prepare for that uh, eventuality as well so this this essential framework also helps build the strategy around what is important to you not just what exists uh, out there and that's exactly what we do at uh, hsbc also for us our critical assets so what's most important for us what needs to be put in the vaults is our uh, customers information your information your transactions the 24 by 7 service that we provide to you and also of course all the good uh, excellent regulations and standards that we have to follow which help enforce that uh, the security and protection of of data and transactions so we put that at the center of everything we do and around it we identify all the different threats uh, the threat landscape the cyber actors all the potential ways that information services can be attacked and then we build our defenses uh, in layers along to protect against these to protect uh, against all of these these specific threats that was the cyber section and now we move on to q&a so i I'll hand over back to Rafi. Um so the first one is what sense checks can we um have when we get vendor bank details where the account name and the bank account is different compared to um, what we're expecting the legal entity name etc the brand um well, what's your what's your guidance from a, a business lens on this? So normally what we would recommend customers and this is what we have seen in some of the BEC cases is that you know when you're updating your vendor master with bank details you should trigger you should use uh, this as a you know a high risk in, in, you know event to make sure that there are dual controls in place where you receive communication from email or through letter or through fax and you follow that up with a phone call uh, to confirm that you know the vendor master is updated um okay uh, next question it says when something has happened so a crime or an incident or something what are the steps that one should follow what should we do yeah i think like like i covered before i think the best prevention is the best cure but uh, if something does happen uh, hopefully you've done some exercises before it happens on uh, as as practice got the right people involved so getting the right people involved is extremely important if if you're talking about an organization making sure that your technology teams your legal teams uh, operations with teams are involved and aware uh, of what has what has happened but again i i would reiterate the best preparation is in advance uh, practicing and rehearsing a few of uh, what you would do when something will happen if something does happen because that's that's what will help you the most so with that thank you so much panelists and uh, the tech team as i told you thank you bye bye everyone